Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to a new episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, uh, I know we've been jumping back and forth between uh, new movies and older movies with our Missing Pieces series, Uh, but this is a new one. It actually came out a couple weeks ago on Netflix. It's called The Platform. It's a very crazy metaphor for capitalism dressed up in a genre horror sci-fi kind of film and uh i'm glad that our guest for the episode david quinones my buddy q from bird road from here in all points west he brought this movie to my attention because i probably would have never seen it otherwise and i really actually enjoyed it i talk a lot of shit about netflix but uh this is a good one this is a very good one you should definitely watch it before we get into this conversation if you haven't yet you should also make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You should rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. You should follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. There. I just uh, ran through all that real quick. Uh, you should also check out Bird Road while you're at it because we got a new episode up and I think you'll enjoy it. It's a fun one, especially if you enjoy this that we're... We're about to do right here. Let me just say, before we get into this conversation, uh, Q was in rare form, and it's a uh, it's it's a little bit all over the place, but it was definitely a lot of fun to do. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about the platform, and what can I say? Lots of new piecing it together coming your way, aside from this one. We are we're recording left and right. We've done about five episodes in the last like six days. I mean, we've got a lot recorded a lot coming your way so thank you everybody who's out there listening right now let's talk about the platform well uh joining me today is uh david quinones <laughs> about that you like that <laughs> and uh we, we we're gonna talk about this movie called the platform that you you told me i should watch i actually hadn't even heard of it as you never would have in a million years watched this without me well let's be honest we're we're in uh we're in the middle of a Different weird times. time for movies and uh, can i ask is this the first pit that will come out that will acknowledge like the effects of coronavirus and all of us living in our house or have you had one already that's that's hit the hit the feed there's and, been um, 
Uh, I'm going to take a hit and uh, listen to my my answer <laughs> offline. So Thank you. That kind of episode, I see. Uh, well, we have started this oh. new this new series, Missing Pieces. So that did acknowledge what's going on. But um, this will be the first main new episode, new movie. I like the idea of having a show called Bitching Pieces. Bitching Pieces is uh, also another one we're going to start. But uh, yeah, the, no. What I was going to say Tank though, uh, if I if I may, is barbed that, wire. Uh, Netflix is just pumping them out one after another, and generally speaking, there's no quality control. It's just, let's just fill your screen up with as many pieces of content as possible. Fair, S- fair. But so, Dave, can I, give, can I give you a little bit of guidance, though? Sure. And it's pertinent to what we're about to talk about. Yes. And I'm just going to give you, as somebody who consumes a lot of that sort of tripe that you look down your nose at. Yes. It, it, if you ever want like quick shorthand on how to like spot a good one... If it's in Spanish, it's probably really good. <laughs> That's probably like, a really almost, good recommendation. <laughs> yeah, like if it's in, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm not just you know being you know preferential towards my people or anything like uh-huh. that, but like all of the Spanish language offerings that Netflix puts together on the TV and the movie side, it, they just end up being really good in my opinion, and we'll reserve our judgment on this film until the end. But like, I think that that's a rule that people could probably follow. Sure. Well, uh, you know, I. I will just say right now. If it has Mark Wahlberg, it's bad. Yeah. If it's in Spanish, it's good. <laughs> that is a very good uh, uh, way to judge things. But one one weird thing about the way I watched this movie, I want to get out of the way before we start getting into some puzzle pieces of this movie called The Platform. We don't want to know that you were naked. I was. It's fine. I was fully clothed while watching it. But tell me if it did this for you. Uh, it defaulted to English. Do you have any no. issue with this? I, 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 I saw on Twitter today, I'm not the only one. I pushed play oh. and the movie was in, was in English, but I noticed the, the, the lips weren't matching up. And I noticed that, because I usually watch movies with subtitles anyway, just because. And I noticed the subtitles were like a different translation. It wasn't quite right. And then I went to settings and it had automatically chosen an English dub instead of the Spanish language. And I, I saw on Twitter today, I'm not the only one. They're doing this to a lot of people. Okay, yeah, it's it's not them doing it, David. Oh, it's they're here. doing it's, it. It's, it's well, okay, yeah, no, I mean, like you're right. It is them doing it, and that they own the platform. But it's your choices. It that the, I've noticed this from trying to raise and um, a quick plug for as I'm drunk and high on a movie <laughs> podcast. A quick plug for Entre Dos podcast. Um, for any kids, uh, also a member of All Points West. As as somebody who is working really hard to raise a bilingual daughter mm. and uh, exploring this, the the language options on all the streaming platforms all the time and vetting them too, listening, because sometimes they suck and you would rather your kid not listen to the, to the Spanish version because it actually is bad Spanish or poorly done, right? Mm. But by the way, I will say that the best, per, the best platform out there for that stuff, Disney Plus. Disney mm. Plus is so good at, at, like, they really transcreate. They don't just translate. They, like, actually make content. They remake, rewrite the content. Interesting. Uh, but to your point, what you're experiencing is um, a result of your own, it's uh, algorithmic, algorithmically designed, or resulting from your own behavior. Well, like what you're, you do. You're, you're sitting here making a big assumption about me that I don't just randomly watch movies in Spanish for no good reason. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm <laughs> not making that assumption about you. What I'm saying. What language did you watch Roma in? Uh, I watched Roma in the language of cinema because I went and saw it in the theater. 
Okay, what did they play? How did they it do it? It was in Spanish was it with subtitles. subtitles. Yeah. In Spanish with subtitles, yeah. okay. Okay, so my point is that on the streaming platforms, and don't act all smug because you saw <laughs> you were one of the 30 people that got to see Roma in theaters. Well, like, I'm, I'm, nobody I'm, got to see Roma in I'm theaters. I'm clearly better than most people. So, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I will tell. I'm not. I'm not making any base judgments about you. What I'm telling you is my own experience as a parent trying to raise um, a bilingual kid and exploring uh, expo- exploring language options on the different streaming platforms. What I have found is it makes that judgment for you. Mm-hmm. It makes the judgment. The, the the it's it whatever hundreds thousands of hours of television and movies that you've watched on Netflix over the course of the years. That data is informing their decision to serve that up to you in English and not in Spanish. And I can tell you that because. It served it up to me in Spanish. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess there's there's going to be a lot of that where it's you know with what with the algorithms and all that stuff, it's going to figure things like that out and and decide what you're going to see. That actually brings me to one more question that I wanted to ask you before we get into some puzzle pieces. Uh, was this a movie that was on your radar before it hit your Netflix feed, or was it something you were just no, like, oh, that, um, that looks interesting? Uh, piecing it together and uh, Bird Road listener. And my uh, colleague, Sam Rodriguez, uh, props out to Sam, creative director at my agency where I work, mm-hmm. um, he put it on my radar, and okay. he was so a- adamant about it. And we're living in these weird times where like, we all have this like buffer, even parents, we have this buffer of like bandwidth. It's not like we don't have more time living under this you know, COVID-19 situation. It's like we don't have more time. It's just that everything is fluffier and begs to be filled in Mm. and i had like an hour and a half that begged to be filled in and based on sam rodriguez's uh vehement recommendation i I popped it on and was hooked immediately yeah i knew nothing about it yeah i'm really glad you brought it to my attention i probably would have skipped it but uh yeah, I'm glad to be talking about it, and this is going to... It, it is out there in the zeitgeist a little bit. It is. I think people are talking about it on social. It is. It's not like one of those ones yeah. that you were talking about that just kind of comes and goes, and no. it's just like, oh, just some other trash movie or whatever. No, this it, is definitely top-tier Netflix. Yeah, this is... I mean, it made it may have like showed up out of the blue, but it's definitely captured some attention. Uh, but I'd say why don't we jump right in because this is a weird movie and uh, you know we'll have plenty to talk about. Why don't you go with your first puzzle piece? So I'm going to go with my first one, and I think I'm going to be stealing one from you probably if I had to bet. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me if I do or don't. Uh, my first puzzle piece is 2013's Snowpiercer, mm-hmm. uh, which of course was directed by Bong Joon-ho, starring Chris Evans, Tilda Swinton, Kang Ho Song, who we've all gotten to know in the last year, along with Bong Joon-ho, who we've all gotten to know in the last year from um sure uh from uh, 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 uh human boy uh, no parasite <laughs> uh so <laughs> so snowpiercer was an english language movie mostly english language although i think there was some korean spoken by some of the characters mm-hmm. um yeah, that focused on a level based near future dystopia mm-hmm. right where um, underclasses were subject to uh, scorn and subject to um, oppression and subjugation from, uh, from lower classes were subject to those things from upper classes, right? From the upper class. Sure. And uh, it was this unapproachable, unassailable, um, broken, not broken, actually it was working perfectly, working exactly the way that it should system. Exactly. That, uh, yeah. And, and um, what, our story was in both of these movies was getting to watch characters 
to varying degrees of success. Actually, no, let me take that back to pretty much the same degree of success. Uh, challenge those structures and take them on and try to defeat them and incur huge losses along the way. And um, and ultimately, uh, I also think that they both have the they both share these movies probably the same weak point, which is the ambiguity of the ending mm-hmm. and not really knowing like, okay, so then what? All of a sudden, this is just like an art film that, like you know, like a student art film at the at the for the last ten minutes. I, I don't get it, but that you know, we can talk about that later. But uh, yeah, so Snow Snowpiercer, which I don't know if you ever saw that, Dave. I, I really like that movie. I finally watched it last year, and I I know that movie gets so much praise. I didn't like it that much. I like this a lot more than Snowpiercer, but it's uh definitely. The comparison is like right there. It's it's a vertical version of Snowpiercer, basically. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean that's a perfect first puzzle well, piece it would to be, kick this it, off. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, I think that's that's definitely the first thing I think either of us would have to bring up because it's such a clear comparison there and and just fits so well. Uh, and it is a beloved movie. I mean, I I don't know why it just didn't really work that well for me. I I. I enjoyed the central metaphor of it. I thought it was pretty clever. I just didn't find the actual plot that went. Well, you know what? You know what my 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 theory is too, because I also don't think Snowpiercer was like an incredible movie the way that it's portrayed to be. Mm -hmm. It was a really really good movie. I thought it was a very good movie. Right. But I think that Snowpiercer was the last movie that Bong Joon Ho, who was very deep into his career at that point in 2013, it was his last movie where people who were like film nerds were going to get to have him all to themselves. Mm. And they thought like, oh, he's going to go mainstream and big after this movie. It's English language. It has a uh, a, a U.S., uh, an American English-speaking leading man, a big star mm. in it. Uh, okay, Bong Joon-ho is about to go super commercial. So like, let's all be in on the fact that we were in on him in day one. Right. Like, we've always known about him. And so it got a lot of that critical acclaim. And, uh, you know, film Twitter love and shit like that from people kind of just saying like, oh, yeah, yeah, we've known about Bong Joon-ho forever. And yeah. But what's funny is he didn't really hit until just last year. Right. Yeah. No. Because sure, this movie sure missed the hit. mark a little bit. Like, I don't I, I think it, it got good attention, like you say, but it didn't really it didn't really like take over. Or it wasn't a huge touchstone or anything like that for the film in 2013. And I I wonder, before I move on to my first piece, I wonder how much of this release was planned. Uh, You know, if if they were just waiting on a moment and then, oh, shit, this whole COVID thing hits and everybody is buying up toilet paper and, you know, not leaving any over for anybody. And they're like, okay, time, let's let's release this thing. Or if this was on the on the books for months and months and it just wasn't on our radar, but it was already. That's a whole other conversation that we could have one day adjacent to you know that's a bird road conversation maybe yeah yeah it's more of a culture conversation where it's like the um the dexterity that platforms have like Mm -hmm. netflix versus a studio imagine all the different it'd be like trying to turn the titanic around we're trying to like you know imagine like if you're a studio all the 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 mountains you have to move to just be like oh we've got this movie ready we're gonna drop it right now Mm -hmm. like it's it's implausible i mean during a non-covid time when there's movie theaters involved and you know that's like what south park used to do 
when they, with the whole like yeah. two week yeah twenty four hour turnaround or 30, <laughs> 36 hour what yeah thirty six hour turnaround. I think it was yeah that's crazy yeah. all right well I'll jump into my next piece uh, which is the movie Saw uh, from uh, Lee okay. L who just had a big hit with uh, the Invisible Man remake uh, but Saw this movie so not to get totally in and just go beat for beat about what what the story is but basically these people they wake up in this prison like uh situation where there's a uh there's 333 levels and two prisoners per level and every 30 days uh they get switched they they fall asleep i guess and, and or drugged i'm guessing and taken to another level uh where they they live at a different basically as a metaphor they're on like a different level of society they get different uh uh you know the there's uh Wait, dave, up, dave 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 oh here we go <laughs> <laughs> it's like capitalism man <laughs> they're talking about capitalism <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh Basically, it's a lot like Saw over and over again happening every 30 days. You wake up in this room with another person. You have no fucking clue what's happening. And uh, you have to kind of piece together what's going on and what the what the scenario is, what the danger is, and uh, how the hell you're going to get out of that situation. And uh, there there's some really interesting twists and turns with the different... Uh, cellmates he ends up having along the way. The, the main character, uh, his name... Go, was it Go, Goreg? Goreng? Goreng. Goreng. Okay, yeah, the main character, Goreng. But uh, yeah, just some interesting little matchups he's with, and each one provides for some really different kind of story elements. But uh, but yeah, I mean, just that kind of Yeah, I think like situation. at the end of it, it's like the platform was the friends that you made along the way. There you go. And I, I think that really makes a lot of sense when you put it that way. I, I don't know. Is there a, a term of art in the, in film for... Trapped in one place, single location type. Yeah, it, shit. Single location film, basically. Yeah, but this is okay. multiple single locations because each floor kind of brings with it its own set of challenges and its own surroundings. Whether the people, the people above and the people below, and all that. Let me ask you: Have you thought? Have you given thought to probably one of the most impressive things about this movie is that it made it look like it really. You really did feel like it was an enormous expansive labyrinth that you were in but they probably just had that one room sure absolutely i mean like they probably just constructed a soundstage of that one room yeah and you felt like you were in this enormous building they probably only had two sets they had the or maybe three they only had three setups when you think about it that interview office area mm -hmm. right the um the room which 99% of the movie happens and in the kitchen and then area. the kitchen yeah yeah exactly that's incredible that's like really innovative filmmaking you you that's a movie that looked like it was like a 70 million dollar movie that probably was really only like 25 million dollars sure absolutely well that that's that it seems like when you go out of the country out of the united states you get some really inventive filmmakers who can do a lot with very little so you know what i'm going to um do my single scene uh, or single, sh single, whatever, single location uh, selection that I have. Sure. Uh, and that is, and it's a little bit offbeat, or not offbeat, but off topic, I should say. But it is uh, 2002's Phone Booth, hmm. directed yeah. by Joel Schumacher, starring Colin Farrell, Keeper Sutherland, Forrest Whitaker. Beyond just the, uh, the, the immediate surface level, like, oh, it all happens pretty much in one place with a couple of other establishing shots or, or contextual shots that are from you know places 
elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, it's, it mostly just happens in that one spot. Um, what really reminded me of Phone Booth, which is a much more harried, sort of Tony Scott, Joel Schumacher style, crazy madcap type movie sure. than this is. Uh, so tonally, it's very different. But at its core, you have a character who is a bit overconfident, who thinks he knows what he's gotten himself into, mm-hmm. and is slowly over the course of the movie taken apart, like piece by piece. Yeah, And he spends... It, the the inertness of his motion, the fact that it feels like Colin Fer- uh, Colin Farrell's character goes all over the map during that movie, but he really doesn't move more than ten feet mm-hmm. in any direction from where he is, right? And he becomes such a different character by the end of the movie. He's something completely transformed. He is completely disillusioned. He's ruined, uh, and he is changed in a really fundamental way like there's there's no you know going back to what he was before that and uh that's why it reminded me a lot of phone booth a movie that um again i think this is maybe the 10th or 11th one of these that i've dropped uh during my guest appearances on this show uh Uh, another another saw it next to jewish dave that's true that might that might be one of the earliest uh movies we went to see i think no we had already been going for years to movies by that was 2002 we started going to movies in like 99 together yeah i guess or at least in groups yeah we were going in groups in 99 and then we didn't hang out with people anymore and we would just go together so it might have been one of our first solo dates is that what Mm -hmm. you're saying okay perhaps i like it no i think jay and silent bob was our first solo solo date oh nice that's a good Which one. Which was like 2000, maybe. I don't know. That's a good one. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead with another piece. Now, sometimes I will bring up a piece that's maybe a little too recent to truly have been an influence on a movie, but it's still, I, the, the, it still reminded me of it quite a bit. And uh, that is last year's The Lighthouse. Okay. But uh, seeing, especially in. I think as long as this show is, this podcast is going, there's going to be like at least. A monthly reference to Lighthouse. By I, I think there should be very, very well. I think that's why that movie exists. Uh, but, but yeah, I think especially with the the final sequence, um, uh, where where they're starting to travel down uh, throughout the the, uh, the the platform as it's going down and like interacting with all kinds of people. Uh, but it, especially that, but also with the first dude as well, who really, they're just like going crazy on each other that there's a lot of two people trapped in a place and they're just kind of losing their minds, you know, uh, because of the, the situation that they found themselves stuck in be because of the, uh, hopelessness of it. And because of, uh, you know, just the scenario that they're really in, that they're all just like very much losing their shit constantly. And th- there's a lot of that to this. And, you know, I like a movie where people are going a little crazy along the way. And so that's why I think this really, uh, worked pretty well for me. Yeah. I think the analog is more there, like just the first act. The first act is I think I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. The first act the most, more than anything. Yeah. So I like that. What do you got next? So my next is 2004's The Machinist, which was directed by Brad Anderson and famously starring a a vastly diminished Christian Bale um, and Jennifer Jason Lee, where he plays a, you know, uh, the titular machinist Mm -hmm. being Christian Bale. Um, who has been afflicted by just a um, 
I don't know. Did we? Did they ever figure figure out if it's like a disease or like what? Or if it's just him? Like I don't remember the end of the. Yeah, the that, that's that's a you. movie that you you really unless you've seen it recently. I, I think is you it mostly just depression. You, you, yeah, that's what I always thought. It was depression is what it's kind of stuck in my mind. But I haven't seen it since it first came out. It's hard to remember. So there was a movement like right there. I think I could almost pinpoint it to like two thousand three, two thousand four. A certain type of gritty uh david fincherish kind of um like a like a second generation david fincher uh, in this case it was brad brad anderson i'm also thinking of the movie the woodsman which you and i went and saw i sure. think the same year yeah. in 2004 um that had and uh, the the plot of the machinist is completely you know extraneous like it has nothing to do with <laughs> with um with the platform what i'm thinking of is purely aesthetic it's just the way that the movie looked the way that it felt the um the way that Brad Anderson was able to uh, sort of put this tension behind every scene and um, the way that he would play with short and long shots and the way that really the film was shot again, aesthetics yeah, and the, the, the feelings that the, that the, that the aesthetics and the cinematography would, um, would pull out. Uh, I thought, I love that, man. It yeah. reminds me again, I say like dime store, David Finch, but Dime Store David Finch is like pretty good. Like if you're Dime Store David Finch, you're making something pretty fucking good. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, and I, I think that 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 David is, Fincher. I don't know why I'm saying David. David Fincher. Fincher yeah. Sorry, that, 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 sorry <laughs> film nerds. I'm so sorry. I've had four beers and I had sex six years ago and have a kid. Apologies. I'll I'll write a blog post about what a vagina feels like. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm smoking weed in a state where we're not sure if it's legal. This this is the effects of COVID-19. <laughs> oh yeah, people want to talk about like being on a ventilator and intubated and dying and stuff like that. No. I'm the victim. <laughs> Me. It's about me. <laughs> oh, speaking of me, uh, I'm gonna go with another puzzle piece. How about that? 2001's me. <laughs> uh, so this is one, uh, much like your last piece, which I haven't seen in forever. This is one that I haven't seen in forever. I I'm not sure. There's three of these movies. I'm pretty sure I only ever saw the first one, which is 1997's Cube. Oh, I've heard of this. I haven't seen it either. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it since back when it came out, but I do remember that these people, they awaken in these like these small rooms and they have to figure out, you know, what the situation is and, you know, how they're going to get out. And I believe they had to like, you know, like come up with plans together and stuff like that to, to you know, really make the most of, of the situation. And so, like I said, I, it's, it's a little fuzzy. It's been since way back. I think I saw it in the theater and that was the last time. But uh, it definitely that the whole setup, the whole scenario of just waking up over and over again in these rooms and just trying to figure out your surroundings, figure out who these people are that you're you're now being paired up with and figure out how you're going to survive from there. It definitely made me think of it. Was it good? Do you remember? Like, was it a good movie? Or that's a really good question. I I think I liked it. Was at it the like time. Event Horizony? Like nineties. Well, Event kind Horizon of hori- is a 
fucking scary ass movie. Uh, Cube, I don't no, I mean, remember. We, being we scary. all agree that <laughs> Event Horizon is a is yeah. a classic. Like, but I'm saying like, is was it Event Horizon E or maybe like Sneakers or something like that? Or, or I remember like, it being an early kind of blow your mind kind of movie. Like, whoa, like that's that's fucking crazy. You know, like really okay. cool, interesting, smart sci-fi. You know, so that's funny. One day we got to talk about like movies that were. That were the movie before the movie, mm-hmm. like um, what was the Christian Bale movie? That was the Matrix. It came out like two years earlier. Equilibrium. Than the Matrix. Equilibrium. Yeah. yeah, and it was just like, okay, well, this is the Matrix, and it's like, ah, well, no, here's the Matrix. Yeah. And the Matrix was twenty five million <laughs> times more popular and successful. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. What do you got next? Okay, so next up, this is my last piece. Okay. I have, um, I have, I. This has probably been used before on your, um. On the show, this might have been used before in a show that we've done together, but but by you instead of me. Nineteen eighty eight's They Live, directed by John Carpenter, uh, famously starring Rowdy Roddy Piper, Hell yeah. uh, and Keith David, Meg Foster, um, and I picked this movie because there are movies that are subtle digs, and there's entertainment that is um, that are subtle digs at capitalism. And subtle digs at um, at uh, authoritarianism and at you know um, the American system, the American way of life. Mm. But uh, this is one of the more on the nose, but at the same time very satisfying depictions right. or criticisms, really, of you know a sort of hyper capitalist dystopia. Uh, near future where we are commodified in brutal ways. Um, we're under, you know, repressive, uh, you know, control mm-hmm. from an unseen force. So, uh, I, you know, if you watch They Live and then this, uh, platform, the platform as a double feature, they don't look or feel or sound anything alike. Sure. But they do have that similarity. And I would venture to guess that the per, the, 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 the creative team behind the platform is probably have have seen john carpenter's they live yeah i think it was sorry which to we all you. have it's a great movie it's a huge yeah. movie i mean it's one that's a little forgotten at time except by film t- film twitter and film nerds but like it's 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 really good yeah it was sorry to bother you that we did together that we brought up they live on and yeah i yep, mean any any sure. kind of movie that's gonna that's gonna take on capitalism has gotta they, they have to love they live you know yeah but no not necessarily though dave like i feel like there are movies that are way more subtle sure about the critique of capitalism that are way more like like um oh the j-lo movie from last year was sure a pow a powerful maybe one of the more effective critiques of the capitalist system that i've seen in a long time yeah and it was way understated and so nuanced that i mean like you walked away feeling like damn, this system that we live in fucking sucks and it's shitty to people and it fucks over the people at the bottom really hard, but you never felt like it was preaching it to you. Joker would and be another good one like that. Moving, all, moving along. <laughs> Is there a rule against using bad movies as a puzzle piece? Hey, I, I like Joker, so I, um, I, but it's not that. 
So. <laughs> I, I see, I see. so I got two more pieces. Uh, so I, I was almost not going to bring this up, uh, but I felt like I had a really good comparison to make. So I'm going to, and that is Darren Aronofsky's mother. I wasn't going to bring it up because yes, I do bring it up a lot, but I, I felt like I had to because there's a very specific thing that happens in mother that I don't really see in many other movies. Maybe you'll call out one right away as soon as I bring this up, but it happens in this movie as well. And that is off screen people shouting awful, awful things. Um, as we're, as we're going through, uh, going, going down the, the platform and, and getting into the lower levels and people who have really gotten the shit end of society's stick and get, getting the worst of the worst, uh, hand-me-downs with the food and everything. You've got some, just some people just screaming obscenities and just, there's people, well, and then there's people above them, like shitting on each other. Like there's just some of the most awful shit being thrown and yelled all over the place. And a lot of it is from off camera people. A lot of it is people you just catch a quick glimpse of. And that just reminded me a lot of the way in mother is just lots of just, just awfulness just going around at every level. You know, I don't know. Do you have, do you have a, another version of that? I could have brought up like mother. Yeah. The awfulness that's the, the, I'm trying to think of the directors that do that, who like have shit come from off camera. And I feel like that's almost a. Uh, what, you you know what movie or what, what movie had that was Boogie Nights. Didn't Boogie Nights have some of that? You know, it might like, have. where you would, you would just hear like Philip Seymour Hoffman's voice from off camera just saying something that was horrible, and right. you're just like, oh my god, yeah, the poor guy. Um, <laughs> that's that look, uh, Altman thing of of having people talking all over the place. Yeah, that like cinema verite type, you know, right. Shit. Um, so let's wash that pick out of our mouth with something that tastes even worse. <laughs> okay, yeah, because this one is actually uh, ridiculous. My last, I've got, I've got, I've got one. Oh, you ridiculous. do have one more. Okay, you, yeah, do. I just, I just threw, I threw one together. That was, I, I've never seen this movie. <laughs> um, but, uh, I think that it works based on. I this is one of those movies where it they pushed it so hard when it came out that and put so many commercials out there about it and like it's been kind of a joke ever since then it was a failure and it was a bad movie but uh uh 2010's repo men starring um i think jude law was in it and forrest whitaker this so, is a remake right of a older one or or was that a no new no movie? no the repo men of 2010 mm-hmm. is not a remake of the repo men that you're thinking oh, okay of. i don't think Repo Men uh, with, um, what's his name? Emilio. That was Repo Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. Yeah. Great movie, by the way. Yeah. Repo Man, uh, which was from like 83 or 84 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Great fucking movie. That's an awesome movie. I'm talking about 2010's Repo Men, which was like a dystopian sci-fi-ish, you know, these guys would kick in your door and repossess your organs. Uh, because like it was like about the um uh whatever like the 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 commodification of of healthcare and organ transplants and shit like that i don't know i mean like eh. it, it okay. was it was based there on a go. book called the repossession mambo of course dope. it was <laughs> dope i mean like that's literally the most predictable thing you could have told me tonight <laughs> that it would be based off of a book called 
the repossession mambo. So you've never seen this movie, but uh, but you nah. saw a parallel though. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Why not? Sure. Why not? Okay. All right. What's your final piece? Yeah. Dave? So final piece. Like I said, this one's kind of just a ridiculous one, but I wanted to throw it in there anyway. It's for that final segment when they're going down level by level, and uh, they they're they're trying to force people to to only take their fair share of the food, and uh, they're they start getting to the point where they're actually just murdering people left and right, or like at least slamming them in the head with shit. Um, and it reminded me of those those levels in video games where you're on a platform and you're going. Down the platform, there's just oncoming waves of bad guys that you have to kill off. They did this in, like, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video game. They do it in Contra. They do it in a lot of different video games. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, where you have to just fight off wave after wave after wave of people. And there's there's usually something that you got to protect along the way. And so, in this case, it's protecting the food. There was a... Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Burger Time on Nintendo. <laughs> Burger time is not exactly the same thing, but I'll give it to burger, you. To be fair, Dave, <laughs> burger time is exactly the same thing as this movie. This is based on the video game Burger Time. Uh, <laughs> do you remember Burger Time and Nintendo? Yeah, a, a like fucking if, A I do. This of course. Is, this is the weirdest episode of PC. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do the finished puzzle, then we'll get into some closing thoughts. Uh, Dope. Finished puzzle for the platform includes Snowpiercer, Saw, Phone Booth, The Lighthouse, The Machinist, Cube, They Live, Mother, Repo Men, Video Games, We Are Going Down a Platform, Fighting Off Lots of People, and of course, Burger Time. So, uh, Q, you got any, <laughs> any closing thoughts on this one? I like this movie. Like I said earlier in the show, it was immensely satisfying. I felt like it was um, a lot of fun to watch. Um, I love things that are oversimplifications for my own personal, uh, very complex belief system. Uh -huh. Like my my own like my own way that I think about things. I think is 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 inscrutable and uh, indecipherable to a lot of people. Smartest and I like guy I, I know. <laughs> okay, and. <laughs> I, I like it when I see things where I can very easily be like, yes, yes, okay, this, I agree with this. Mm. I indisputably pretty much agree with this. Yeah. And um, so I liked the movie a lot. I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't know that it would uh, that it would be this good. It was very well done. I thought it would be what, one of those lower echelon Netflix shows that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Like one of those kind of crappier looking ones. And not as well acted. That is the thing, though. What, like you say, you were talking about how you get like kind of a better bang for your buck when you go overseas. Like in in a place like Spain, you can get just probably incredible actors, people who are just such like craftsmen at what they do. Yeah, and 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 make it for you know. I mean, like you don't have to pay like uh, you know uh, Peter Sarsgaard. You know, you don't have to pay Peter Sarsgaard money. You can get like a a Peter Sarsgaard performance for like a tenth of that Peter Sarsgaard's. Uh, what do you, you know. What do you think his his commanding rate is right now? I don't know. <laughs> like a million a day or a thousand a day? I don't know. Somewhere between those two. 
Somewhere in between $1,000 per day and $1 million per day uh, is what Peter Sarsgaard demands on the open market. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got you. But no, I, I, I agree with you, though. I, the, there, there's, the central metaphor of this is, is pretty on the nose, and, but, it, but it does it in such a way that it's really entertaining to watch, and it's pretty clever, and I think everybody involved is uh, doing really great work. I also wanted to shout out the music, which I thought was fantastic. Um, I would mm. butcher the guy's name, so I'm not even going to try, but uh, it, just really, it's, it's a great movie. I'm really glad you, you brought this one to my attention. Uh, what, one last thing I wanted to bring up, uh, the food in general in this movie is, uh, absolutely disgusting. I mean, it goes from amazing looking at the top and then just a couple floors down, it's the most disgusting thing in the world. Um, but it also brought to mind something that we've talked about before, which is my whole weird, like glitch in the matrix theory when I'm walking down a grocery store aisle and I see too much food. And, yeah. and I think it's just, it's just not right. I, I think there's something yeah. like inhuman about it, like, like immoral and just weird and wrong. Yeah. And, and that, that's the same feeling I got when looking at that food and knowing it was just going to just get grosser and grosser and grosser as it went down that platform. And it was just, I don't know. I just thought it was pretty uh, interesting how it captured that feeling. Aranzuzu Callejo. Good. Th- thank you. Yeah, I've got his name up right Calleja. here. So I, I think Calleja. you did a good job. So thank you. That, that, that's the composer who uh, did the great score for this movie. Yeah, uh, I never heard of the person before, but I wanted to just um, shout you. them out if you couldn't say their name right. There you go. Um, they've never done anything that you've anything else that you've seen. Yeah, it looks like all foreign language things that I've. I mean, um, I haven't heard of any of these particular ones, but uh, but yeah. I, I I think that that about does it. Uh, Q, do you have another movie you saw recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners here at Piecing It Together? Ooh, is this a new thing? This, that, um, this is. I don't I don't think I was doing this last time, but we do this every time now. Let me think. Um, what have I seen lately? I had re- recently rewatched They Live, which is funny. No, but I, you know what? I'm gonna give love to a TV show. Um, okay. that is very cine- very cinematic. Um, David Simon's new TV show. The plot against America is really fucking good. It's it's really fucking good. It's it's um again we talk about dystopian futures, right? Mm-hmm. This is a dystopian past. This is one of those like rewritten past plots where what happens is um uh the uh, uh FDR loses uh for his third. Um, term that he ran for in 1940, uh, he loses to instead of who the Republican nominee was back then. It was they, they in this just in this um in in this revision of the past. Mm. FDR loses to Charles Lindbergh, the famous pilot, the guy that you know also famously was a victim of you know kidnapping. But I think a lot of people forget to this day was a huge anti semite and a huge anti-Nazi interventionist. Like, he did not want to get the U.S. involved in World War II. Hmm. And he his position was tacitly, he would never come out and say this, but tacitly him and anti-Semites at the time, what they were saying was like, whatever, We it's actually good that the Nazis are killing all the Jews. Hmm. So what, what this TV show presupposes is um, he becomes president in 1940. And what kind of world arises from a Nazi sympathizing U.S. president 
who uh, allows Hitler to run roughshod over, you know, Poland and and, and Russia and um, London and France and, you know, doesn't care. Right. And uh, it's it's done by David Simon, who created The Wire. Right. Which is the best, the best, like, bar none, the best TV show that's ever been made. And this show is right up there with that. It's really, really well done. Awesome. What's that on? I haven't even heard of that. HBO on Monday nights. Right on. Very cool. Well, sounds like a great uh, recommendation. Q, where can people find you? I don't know, man. I'm just here. I'm literally at my house (laughs) all the fucking time. (laughs) I never get out of here. I never go anywhere. It feels like I've always been here, (laughs) except that I have a longing. That can only be explained by me having been somewhere else at one time in the past. And I don't know what to make a video of it. I'm just going to keep drinking. Well, everybody listening at home, uh, a little behind the scenes, we're about to record a bird road. And all I got to say is you should probably listen to that episode when it goes up because I can only only imagine what it's going to be like. I can't, I can't even imagine what we're going to talk about. Am I slurring my words? You, you are. You're you, going to have to. You're turned into Jewish Dave on this one. Oh, it's me. Yeah, uh, it's just, uh, it's just going to be me. Uh. Everyone, no matter how big a geek you are, has movies that they haven't seen that have other geeks saying, how have you never seen this movie? Well, we're here to help. At the Now You've Seen It podcast, we help you fill those gaps in your geek cred one movie at a time. Each episode, a guest who is watching the movie for the first time joins our rotating cast of hosts and panelists to discuss the movie and compare seeing it through fresh eyes versus seeing it with eyes filtered through the lens of nostalgia. You can find Now You've Seen It on Facebook at facebook.com slash now you've seen it, no apostrophe, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the platform. Also, you should check out Now You've Seen It. Uh, I was just on it recently talking about John Carpenter's The Thing. It was a really fun conversation. Uh, good show. Go check it out. And you should also check out Bird Road. You should also check out All Rice, No Beans. And you should also check out Awesome Movie Year and check out Entre Dos. That's all the podcasts here on the All Points West podcast network that Q runs. And I, of course, produce a bunch of shows on. And you should uh, you should be listening to everything that we do. Lots of great stuff out there. So... I do want to remind you, as always, if you enjoy piecing it together, we would love it if you would rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Both would be amazing. Five stars would be, you'd be the best. We'd love you so much. You could also, of course, sign up for our Patreon, where I have been uh, posting a bunch of advanced episodes. There's a whole bunch of content there right now because we have so much in the can waiting to get put up on our main feed. So for now, it's just going to be on the Patreon and you can check it out early. There's also going to be really soon a special album coming out. Uh, I just recently released a new 
regular album called Beater Original Motion Picture Soundtrack, and it's an hour and 45 minutes of music I've made for films, but there was stuff that I cut, and I'm going to be making a bonus album of some of the stuff that I cut, and that is going to go exclusively on the Patreon. So... You should uh, go check that out. And as always, we are always looking for more people to come join me here on Piecing It Together. So if you've been a long-time listener, first-time listener, whatever, uh, get in touch. I'd love to have you sometime. So I think that does it for today. And uh, I guess I'll leave you with a piece of music, as I always do. And I'm going to find a good track to go along with some of the themes from the platform, but I'm going to try to make it a track, as I've been doing for the last few weeks, from this new album, Beater. So I think, you know what would be a good one, because this is kind of a kind of a fucked up movie. It's kind of a fucked up episode. I hope you uh, hung in there for this whole thing. <laughs> but uh, this is a track called One Way Out. It is from a really dark drama that uh, is from director Chris Johnson. All the films that the music on Beater is, all the films were from director Chris Johnson. But this was the third film, I believe, that we worked on together. Probably the darkest of them. It's about a, a cycle of abuse. And this track is the closing credits track from that film. So uh it, it it's pretty pretty melancholy but I, I don't know if enjoy it is the right word but enjoy this music and if you like it go check out the album beater original motion picture soundtrack which is available on itunes and spotify and all of the major digital music stores so check it out and we will be back with more piecing it together coming up real soon Thank you.
and All Points West. Thank you.